Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Pioneer Water Tanks, the most trusted name in water storage in Australia. For over 30 years, they've remained the industry leader by continually improving the engineering and technology that goes into every tank. Superior technology gives you superior peace of mind for your precious water storage. Welcome back to the Central Station podcast. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Sarah Cook, who not only manages a cattle station in the Northern Territory, but is president of the Northern Territory's Isolated Children's Parents Association. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that after 12 years in this industry, I only recently learned about the issue that we're going to be talking about today, the cost of public primary school education in remote Australia. The government says public education will be free. But then why are so many families paying $50,000 a year on average to put their kids through primary school? We would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So please head on over to our Central Station podcast group on Facebook and let us know what you think. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me. So today we are going to be talking about some or one of the particular issues with education in the bush. But before we get into that, I actually want to learn a little bit more about you so people know who this person on the other end of the microphone is. Ah, okay. Um, well, um, we're not going to start with my age, are we? No. <laughs> um, Mum and Dad moved... Um, out to the Kimberley when I was about four years old. Um, Dad originally comes from the Roma area and mum is a Brisbane girl. Um, so my earliest memories were of growing up in places like Spring Creek, Nelson Springs, um, Estate Creek. Um, Dad did some bull catching on Lejeune and um, places like that. Uh, Dad was working for Vesties at the time, um, so was managing properties and um, we spent some time out at Turner and I think we came back to Nelson Springs um, in the days where they did some um, hay farming, perhaps. There was some R&D stuff going on. Anyway, um, we left the Kimberley when I was about eight and moved back to the Northern Territory. So while in the Kimberley, I started my education on Derby School of the Air and then in the Northern Territory moved to Catherine's School of the Air and finished my primary years on Alice Springs School of the Air. So you did all of your primary schooling on School of the Air, but you also went to three different schools of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, we – yeah, it was great. It was great. You it do, sounds like a massive adventure of a childhood moving around that much. Yeah, and kids are good, aren't they, because um, you don't need to develop great bonds with, with other children. Um, you meet at a party or a barbecue or, or at a school function and you become immediately friends. So I didn't feel any of the trauma that some children feel moving between schools. It was just a home away from home at each school. Yeah. So you did your primary schooling in school of the air. What about high school? Um, high school, uh, I went to boarding school and in those days we were just south of Tennant Creek in the Northern Territory and 
it felt like a big old adventure to go to Alice Springs for boarding school. Um, it felt like a long way, but now, now that I'm much older, it really wasn't. That is probably um, the shortest <laughs> distance to a boarding school ever. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was a long time on the bus um, when you were 12. And um, so I went to St. Phillips, and in those days St. Phillips didn't have a school, so we boarded at St. Phillips. Um, the boarding school itself was – um, had a whole bunch of classmates from year seven on school of the year. So I knew a whole bunch of people and had a great time at St. Phillips and went to the local school in Alice Springs, Anzac Hill High School. And actually, ironically, I found out when I met my husband years later, um, he, he moved to St. Phillips to finish off his last two years of high school, um, the year after I'd left. So, um, we both went to St. Phillips. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. And he also went to school of the year in primary school. Uh, well, he was at, um, Catherine school of the year, but we missed each other because I'd already moved to Alice Springs yeah. school of the year. Oh, so yeah. world. It is. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And so if you are here today on the Central Station podcast, you're obviously in some way, shape or form still involved with the cattle industry or the pastoral industry. What have you done? Let's, I guess, you know, you don't have to talk me through everything, but okay. kind of what's happened since high school and oh, to yeah. where you are today. So fast tracking. Um, so yes, finished boarding school, um, worked a while um, in town, um, completed some uni and uh, married my husband and we moved back out bush. Um, by that time, uh, my son was in grade one or our son was in grade one. So he'd gone through preschool and um, transition at a town school and then he started his journey on School of the Air as well and this time through Mount Isa School of the Air. Um, so he was through Mount Isa School of the Air and then finished on Alice Springs School of the Air because we now live north of Alice Springs. If you just had gone to like one or two more schools of the year, you could have crossed them all off. <laughs> well, actually, in my involvement through um, an association called ICPA, um, you do hear about lots of different schools of the year. So I feel quite familiar with many of them, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so what is ICPA? Isolated Children's Parents Association. So national um, association with uh over three and a half thousand member families. So if you consider a family is like five or six people, you know, um, uh, uh, representing equity and education in the bush, um, which is so necessary. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to break that down for me because I have heard this before and Lord knows I can't remember what is equity and equality. Cause when I think oh, equity, yeah. I think the word equality, but they're not the same, are they? No, they're not. That's such a great question. So. Um, so equality equals sameness. So everybody gets the same thing and it only works if everybody starts from the same place. But equity is about fairness. It's about access to the same opportunities. So we all must first ensure we have equity before we can enjoy the same equality. Okay. So this is something I've had to work to get my head around. Um, and there's a, there's a picture I'm looking at now, which kind of, I guess visually describes these concepts. So equality is, so everyone gets the same thing. So let's say in this picture, there's three children of different sizes and they're trying to look over a fence. Different heights. Different yeah. heights. Yes. And so to be equal, we've given them all the same size box to stand on. Well, that's equality. Equality. Yeah. yeah. That's the sameness. So, um, they all got the same thing, yes. even though they're all different. Yes. And so they got the same thing, but cause they're different sizes and they are different. They had some of them can't, well, this one kid can't see over the fence. Another one kind of just can. And another one definitely can. Yeah. So, so to be fair, we'd give the short fella two boxes and the medium fella one box and the tall fella no boxes. And so they can all see over the, the fence. fence. Okay. And so, so that's, that's 
equity. Right. And equity is using three boxes, just the same as the equality photo that we're looking at. It's um, using the same amount of resources. You're just distributing them to need. So some children, say children in school, don't have as much need in some respects as children who don't go to a school and they would need more resources. It's just yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so ICPA advocate for equity. We ab- advocate for fairness. Fairness. Okay. Yeah. So equality. Everyone's kind of got the same at the starting line, the same starting line. Whereas equity, we're at the same finishing line. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what else does? So tell me more about ICPA. Yeah. So we advocate for equity for bush kids. So what we're saying is, um, um, children in the bush deserve the same access to education as children who live in town. And um, an example of that is, um, uh, um, sorry, choice of schools. So if you live in town, you can choose, you know, three public schools, one private school, um, a school across the other suburb or whatever. Um, but in the bush, um, your choices are fairly limited to distance education or school of the air or boarding school. Mm. Yeah, okay. So there are a whole plethora of issues when it comes to, you know, what ICPA advocates on behalf of for, for rural families and children, um, particularly in education. Um, but today we're just going to focus on one, which I, to be honest, in all my years of being in this industry and I've even worked as a governess myself, have never even really thought about until last week. So I'm really curious to hear the feedback from our listeners to see if anybody else has actually been thinking about this. So what are we going to talk about today? Um, we're going to talk about what we call in ICPA, Northern Territory, a distance education teaching allowance. So at this stage, this is just a thought. It's a concept. Um, but the concept has come about because um, the Education Act in the Northern Territory said that access to education should be free for all Australian children. However, if you teach your children via school of the air in the Northern Territory, you have to, by government requirement, provide a supervisor, and that supervisor costs somebody. Now, you might be the mum, which the cost is then you don't get paid to go to a normal day job. Um, you're in the schoolroom teaching your children, and there is no wages for that. Or you might be a governess, and um, the person paying the wages for the governor's role um, may be through the employment package, which um, essentially impacts on um, the family family wage um, of the children who you're teaching or supervising. So public education, if I, because, you know, obviously I don't have children, so I don't know these things. If I was sending my kid to a public school in town, it's free. That's the deal. Right. Well, I mean, there's still school fees, but um, yeah, but for a couple of hundred bucks a year or whatever, depending yeah. on which school. And and to be honest, I actually don't think they're compulsory. I think that some people can send their children to school and not pay any school fees for their entire schooling career, <laughs> if you like. Yeah. So, um, yes. Okay. And so that's what Northern Territory Government has said. Education yep. should be free. Public school education public should school. be free. And so School of the Air counts as public school education. School of the Air is a public school. So and it should be. So I guess in terms of... Um, so you just have some probably some nominal school fees, like yep, to pay to school the air. Yep, yep, but hundred dollars a year, just like you would if you were attending a public school yeah. in town. But so it's a bit of a double edged sword because they've also said, but all children must be supervised, and like it's like you know supervising is full time job, yes. and you're gonna have to pay for that. Yeah, so, so that's right. So it's not just the supervising part that you need in a home school room out in a station, right, or anywhere. You could be at um, on an Aboriginal community or on a boat or wherever you like. 
Um, it's the oh, yeah, because it's not, it's not just um, no. at, uh, station kids that do not, school there. No, it's not just station kids. It can be any child that's not within not within 50 kilometres. I mean, you can you can join school of the air if you're closer than 50 kilometres, but there's um, the general rule is you'd have to be further than 50 kilometres away from a public school to attend school of the air or school of distance education, yeah. Um, so, um, you need to set up the program for the day. You need to set up the schoolroom. You need to make sure the technology is working. You need to, um, do the basic cleaning, um, et cetera, um, sorting out schedules and, um, timetables and whatever, and, um, be ready for your student to come in, have the work, um, open and prepared, um, and then supervise that children, that child, sorry, or children, if there's, if there's more than one in the classroom, might be um, supervise them during their on on air lessons as well as off air lessons. Um, and during the off air lessons, you may be doing things like marking, um, extension, um, providing feedback to the teacher, um, teaching concepts to your student, like anything that a teacher would normally do in a schoolroom. You're just following a program that's been provided in a book, but you have to explicitly deliver it. Yeah, so that's something. I didn't really realize until I did, I only did one stint as a govy, but kids can have anywhere between, is it one, I don't know, maybe up to three on air lessons a day. So yeah. that's where they're, so the teacher that's gone to uni is a teacher mm. who's teaching them. So it can be anywhere from an hour a day to a couple hours a day, mm. but it's not like when you go to school in town where you've got that teacher there all day. No. Yeah. And so, and, and the lessons, and it's not like once they log off from the computer lessons that that sits schools over, like, I remember I was a govy for a lovely girl in grade five and I had to relearn long division. Like you're actually having to teach the kids. And also like I would, yeah, I have to say you, you kind of get sent like this package of work and it's like, all right, well, this is what you're supposed to do this week. Uh, we're going to do a few lessons online at this time, this time, this time on these days. And then the rest of it is you're there and you're actually the one responsible to be saying, this is what you need to do. Um, and then also teaching, like there's just so much going on. Yeah, there really is. There really is. And, um, so I made a little bit of a, uh, a list the other day. I wrote down, um, you will support your student and, um, and physically deliver the lessons to the student throughout the school day. You'll undertake planning, behavioral supervision, scaffolding, problem solving, explicit teaching, marking, teacher liaison and feedback. You set up experiments, art classes, wipe away tears, provide encouragement and research. Depending on the time of day, you are a teacher, a teacher's aide, a cleaner and something like a classmate. This is really important not to forget that you are possibly the only physical person that your student has contact with each day besides their immediate family. It's um, it's a big responsibility being a governor or home tutor. Absolutely. Mm. And so what is the difference between a governess and a home tutor? Because yeah. I kind of always use those words interchangeably. Are yeah. they interchangeable? Well, they might be. But um, in ICPA land, we usually refer to the home tutor as the person who is the student's mother. So when the school day is over, because um, there's fundamental differences, right? If you're the mother, when the school day is over, you have to take off your schoolroom hat and put on your mum hat. And... Um, this often impacts on your parent-child relationship on some level, and um, and we find that it, um, parents who are home tutors are often overly worried about their responsibilities to their child's ed- education because they feel like everything lands on them. You know, they're wondering if their child is up to scratch with reading or if they're getting a concept, and they worry that they're letting their child down if their child is not progressing as well as they hoped. Um, so a governess is often a young woman. I mean, I have seen men. We call them governors. Oh, um, really? And, yeah, and they are great. Oh, are great. if there are any blokes living, uh, listening to this, yeah. 
I would. Lo- I have never come across a bloke, Govy. Yeah. I would love to see some blokes come up here mm. in anywhere up north or down south or wherever. Yeah remote and yeah. work as a govy. Yeah, so they get a bit of stick often from the stock camp. But you know what? Usually these governors are pretty cool and um, they just work through that. And um, uh, particularly if they've got boys in the school room, it's a really good match. Oh, so um, they take on a job in a remote location where, the, where they usually live under the same roof or in the same small community, of course, such as a cattle station, um, under the guidance and support of the student's parents. And they'll often depend on this family or this small community for their food, shelter, social life, internet, and usually transport, plus much more. They have a lot of pressures in the homeschool room, as we've just talked about, but their main support is the student's parents. And that's a really interesting relationship because you imagine you're having a bad day in the homeschool room and the only person you can talk to about that is the child's parents. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I know, you know, but even with the best kids, there's still going to be bad days. And yeah. so yeah. you can't yeah. exactly knock off from work and be like, oh, man, I had this little brat, brat. in the classroom today because <laughs> the only person you can tell is that little brat. Yeah, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Now, I want to talk a bit more about um, – so home tutor is when a parent takes on the role yeah. of – what. so basically when a parent's doing it and yeah. governess is when somebody's been hired externally yeah. to do it. I just can't imagine – it's hard enough being a parent – full stop, but to have that extra role and to be, you know, you would be good cop, bad cop, everything for these parents. Mm. It's just, yeah. and so what about you? Cause you've been a home tutor before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, so <laughs> I don't, I don't like to think about it too much. I spent two years in the schoolroom with Hayes in grade um, two and grade three. Um, very difficult, Steph. Um, I, my relationship with Hayes was, um, um, strained at the end, um, to the point where it was my husband who suggested at the end of the school year of grade three, he said, um, we have to get a govy. We've got no choice for our family, um, because, um, we just won't be able to stay at Bush if we don't get a govy. Uh, it's not to say that we didn't love each other or, um, and, you know, that's just in the past and we've all moved on. It was just the day-to-day stuff. Uh, my expectations of him were very high. He hated his mum bossing him around. I couldn't explain things in a way that he he enjoyed. Um, I worried. Um, yeah, it was stressful. I never want to do that again. No, and I just don't think anyone should be forced to wear that many different hats that, yeah. you know, the kid – a kid should be able to come home from school and go, oh, I'm having a hard time at school or I don't get this. Yeah. But they can't come no. home from school and say it to no. you because you're also the teacher. Yeah. And so he would um, bolt. The school day would finish and he would bolt and he would avoid avoid coming anywhere near me until, uh, you know, we were back in the house after dinner. And, um, you know, so of course I still had a relationship with him, but it was different to what I wanted. Well, the, how are kids supposed to know those boundaries that, you know, hmm. in school time, you're the teacher and this, this and that. And then out of, and you know, maybe, and cause as a teacher, if, let's say I was teaching your child, hmm. I suppose you can be there for some level of comfort and support, but it's not the same as what a mum would be. So no. how do you know that then after hours you fall over in Grayson and you're allowed to go to mum to cuddle you because, yeah. you, but she can't cuddle yeah. you during school hours. Yeah. You know, how are they supposed to navigate that? It's yeah. just, 
Yeah. And so some people do it really well, Steph, but um, as a mum and, and a home tutor. To them. Oh me my too. God. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't me. Um, I had a great relationship with Hayes outside of the schoolroom, but could not do it in the schoolroom. So that, uh, you know, the fact that you have to provide that supervision and if you can't afford a supervisor, then you've really, and if you don't, and if that fit doesn't work in the home schoolroom with you being the home tutor, then your choices are really limited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the writing's on the wall for you, which is really unfortunate. Like, why should your life be defined about because of um, the um, choice of education that you've got? Yeah, because you've chosen to live out very remotely to care for cattle, country, the landscape, you yeah. know, contribute to society, pay your taxes, yeah. all, all the And rest. education is free. Yes, oh. yes totally. <laughs> However, um, you have to deliver it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've got some free worksheets. <laughs> yeah. Ariat Shock Shield. Feel no fatigue, fear no impact. Ariat Shock Shield technology provides shock absorption and all-day comfort. An added layer of shock-reducing material in the heel diffuses the impact that occurs during heel strike. To try a pair, head over to ariat.com.au today. And like you said, if a parent, say, um, if your child was still at school the year and you chose to be the home tutor... To do that, you have to legally supervise them the eight hours yep. a day or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, or even if they're younger, you just can't let kids out of your sight. No. And so because you're doing that, you can't be working on the station or in town or well, remotely or, yeah. you know, you can't be doing anything else. Yeah, that's right. Not during those eight hours at least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, home tutor parents often have to make the decision about what days I'll go to town and then they have to catch up on that work um, because they've had a day out of the schoolroom because they can't leave their children at home. Yeah. So um, there's a bit of juggling there. Um, but, you know, the, the point is, is that these um, home tutors or govies are spending the whole day in the schoolroom supervising. So um, during that time, um, it's coming at a cost to somebody, whether it's the home tutor not, not being able to do their real job, if you like, or, you know, the responsibilities around the homestead. Um, they have to do those um, responsibilities in between the school day or whether it's a govy um, and their full-time job is actually sitting in the home in the schoolroom with the children. Somebody must yeah. pay the govy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I had never really thought about until the other week is that, yes, govies, of, govies get paid, yeah. um, but – and it may, they may be paid by the station, yes. but really, when you think about it, that is going to be coming out of the management couples or the parents, whoever, whatever role they have on the station out of their salary package, essentially. Well, it's all about economics, isn't it? And, um, it depends on what salary has been negotiated, but obviously there's somebody looking at the bottom line of how much it costs to have a management couple there. Um, and of course you may not be, uh, managers, you may be, um, have other roles on the station and then, um, your children are sharing the same govy. It all comes at a cost to somebody. So whether it's the company paying for the govy, or whether it's a um, uh, the parents um, taking it out of their salary for the government, it's, it's a it's a question of numbers. Somebody is paying for it somewhere, but it's not the government. Yes, <laughs> this is the point. point it is, is not, not the, the government. government. Yes. So, but education is free, right? Yes, just mm-hmm. not totally. But just not if you live just, in the bush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So, mm-hmm. as you said, there could be. So, there's a variety of ways this could be playing out in different scenarios. So, if people are either. So say you have a management couple and they're on a salary package of X amount per year, um, that can be the govy can basically – it's not like the govy is actually coming out of their pay slip each week, but basically that management package 
would get dropped back to account for the cost of a govy. Because it's not like, let's say, let's, I mean, let's be real. Let's say I'm running a cattle station yeah. or I, I own a cattle station. I'm yeah. rich. Yeah. Um, I've got drovers run and I hire you and your husband to come and manage for me, yeah. but you need a govy. And yeah. so if you guys didn't have kids and just to do the job, I value that at 200 grand a year, yeah. let's say. But now you need someone to look after the kid and that's worth 50 grand a year. Do I now spend 250 grand or do I still spend 200 and now you're only going to get 150 of that? I mean, unless you're some kind of um, philanthropist and I'm sure, but I'm sure that there may be some stations out there who have lovely families and they get, Mm. they are very, very philanthropic and that cost of the govy is just added on top of their package. But even then mm. that business now is yeah, impacted by the cost of education in the bush. Yeah. yeah. And doesn't that, does, I just think, does that not just make people without children more attractive as management? As, <laughs> I mean, well, wouldn't you just be like, well, at least I don't have to pay for a govy, yeah, but then yeah. you don't, you want a family. Cause when someone's a family, mm. they're more likely to stay in that role Stable. and long term and mm. community. Yeah. Oh, there's so many problems with it. And, um, you know, I think the thing that really gets to me is that there is so much federal and state government money invested in developing regions, making regions stronger. So they're happy for um, people who live in very small towns to make sure that they raise families in small towns and have strong communities. But they're forgetting about the very small communities out in the bush um, and yeah, it's it's a it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thought and something that really upsets me. <laughs> no, it's Actually. fair enough. And yeah. until we started chatting about this the other yeah. week, I'd never really thought of it. Yeah. But somebody is paying for yeah. the govy, or if you don't have a govy, if it's yeah. one of the parents taking on that role, yeah. then they are unable to financially go out and earn their own financial income. Well, you know, yeah. or at least during those hours. Mm. And yeah. and to be fair, like the the um let's say you did go and do something out of hours that's you basically working on top of a full-time job so yeah. it's not really a fair expectation if you were living in a city you wouldn't expect yeah. you to go to sit in the classroom every, like full days and then go work night shift or yeah. something somewhere yeah. else in town yeah. so i don't yeah. think we can say that oh well you know at least they've still got the opportunity they can do that after hours because yeah we don't <laughs> expect that of anyone living anywhere else no there's a lot of things isn't there in the bush um that government expects us to do um we often take care of um healthcare to some degree and also early childhood you know we don't have a lot of support for um early childhood uh education such as um childcare daycare um um early diagnosis and learning centers and things like that um and then of course we've got the issue of boarding school but while the children are at home usually in primary school usually on school of the air or school of distance education um education is almost like a full cost to somebody in the bush and um so icpa well this is why i'm involved in these um associations right is because um icpa is is um represents these issues for us there's nobody else that does that um besides icpa at least that i'm aware of and um in my in my time with icpa and i get i do get quite involved with them we've been to um uh, we've advocated through um, our federal association, so our federal main um, federal ICPA go to um, the federal minister, and the fed- federal ministers flicked it back to state ministers. So now this, the state councils are going back to the state ministers, but nobody wants to take responsibility for it. And you know why? It's because if you added up all of those unknown costs, you would find that there's so much parent or um, 
corporate or philanthropic contribution to the cost of education in the bush, the, um, the governments would be suitably embarrassed. So nobody wants to put a figure to it. But we're just going to keep advocating for it because it's, it's too much to expect that families should um, have to wear these costs. Mm. It's, um, it's not surprising to hear that, but at the same time, we know that the favourite game of the government is handballing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. well, passing it back and forth, so, yeah. so that's really not surprising. Yeah. Like, as, as yeah. surprising as when you think about it, yes, yeah, so I think of every child that goes through school the year, you know, and it's not necessarily a per child cost because if you've got four or five kids in a classroom, yeah. you know, that's the one, you know, one govy. So yeah. it's not like it's per, you know, yeah. people, it's not like you're, but yeah. that's just, it's just insane. Ag Workforce specialises in recruiting for agricultural jobs, including farm work, station work and agribusiness across Australia. View current jobs, advertise a position or register as a job seeker at agworkforce.com.au. Now, I know there's going to be people listening and I this, you know, and I always like to play devil's advocate myself. What about the people who say, well, you choose to live out here in the middle of nowhere. You yeah. know that when you go to work on a cattle station or if you're, um, who else, I'm trying to think of who else uses school of the air. Like, you know, if you're, um, you live in an indigenous community, um, or you know, your parents provide a service to an indigenous community or your parents are remote builders or remote vets or whatever they are, mm. they're remote, but they've chosen to come and do this line mm. of work to live remotely knowing full well that you'll have to go to school the air and mm. either they or someone else will have to supervise you and assist in education. What do we say to those people? Yeah. So a couple of um, thoughts here. Um, first of all, who who will live in the bush if not for families, if not for um, families that raise children and children become interested and then return back to the land, if not for families who want to commit long-term to um, the knowledge and development of their career and being there for the long-term, um, if not for families, then who? I think somebody must, and it must be families because that's the future of the bush in my view. Um, the second thing is, is um, it's unfair to suggest that um, certain people should receive help to remain in their communities and other people shouldn't receive help to remain in their communities. So let's take the example of a, a remote Aboriginal community. There's a lot of support given to make sure that those people can stay in their community. Um, the services are brought to that community and those schools, well, aren't always um, big schools. They're often small schools. So uh, the second thought, uh, sorry, the third thought is um, we're not talking about big money. We're not talking about building a school. We're not talking about providing the resources and infrastructure and and um, and and vehicles and and telecommunications networks to go with it. We're just asking for some financial support because all of the other things, the infrastructure, the resources, um, the travel, etc., is all provided by the family. Um, we're just asking for some sort of financial support to pay the wage um, that is um, committed to providing the supervision in the schoolroom. Uh, it's probably going to blow your mind away, but um, a, uh, a teacher's aide in town is paid $38 an hour. Um, I am in the wrong industry. Yeah. So we think that a govy in the ballpark costs about $55,000 a year to, um, you know, on average across the industry. Uh, you'd be surprised to know that um, we at ICPA have been um, lobbying or advocating, if you like, for less than $10,000 a year 
Yeah. In support. So let's say, okay, 55 grand a year to make this simple. I'm just going to roll it back down to 50. Yeah. And kids nowadays go to boarding school usually in year seven. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about six years. Yeah. So six, five. So 300 grand (laughs) to put your kids through primary school. And it's either, it's basically, it's coming out of someone's pocket. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you can add another 300 grand to send them to boarding school. But see, the thing is, is that we're absorbing these costs because we love our lifestyle and we love our jobs and we love our community so we're absorbing these costs if you like so when we're talking about equity and people having the same finishing line if i'm in town and you're out here and we put our kids through primary school at the same time by the time they get a public school yeah, sorry yeah. we're talking about public school here by the time they go to high school why should i what why should you have spent 300 grand more than me so we're not finishing at the same finish line because no, no, it no. doesn't matter no no, yeah. no, that's right. Hey, but you know the thing about people in the bush is that we've always enabled. We have always enabled and we continue to enable. So if we've got a road that's rough, if the main roads aren't coming out to fix it, we'll bloody well grade it or, you know, something. If we've got a, um, a drain that's blocked, we're not going to call the plumber, we unblock the drain and so on and so forth. You know that we have enabled the delivery of education since since day dot. Um, we were so grateful when schools of the air came in in the sixties or, or thereabouts. We were so grateful, but we, we enabled from that point onwards and we continue to enable now. And until we start to say to the government, you know what? We enable to a certain point, but we shouldn't have to enable the whole works. Um, yeah, I think we're just doing the government a favor. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause you know, so, so you're advocating for a, a, a subsidy or something yep. to help cover the cost of a govy. So it's not like you're asking for it's, um, what is it, you know, or I guess even during COVID, you know, when people are just literally getting handouts for yeah. it and you can mm. do whatever you want with that money. Yeah. It's not like you're asking for money mm. to do more stuff. It's no. actually, no. It, it, but it's, it would even the playing field. And it's not like it's yeah. going into your pocket. And no, no. Cause it's a cost you, to us. Yeah. Already. Cause you're already, <laughs> yeah. You're already starting. You're already yeah. that little kid that yeah. can't see over the fence. Yeah. You yeah. just want to be able to finish up and yeah. see over the fence like every other parent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to think about, isn't there? When it comes to, um, delivering education for your kids. I know that some people think that we ask for too much, um, well, that humans ask for too much at times, you know, we should be grateful for what we've got. And I don't think that's actually in question here. We're all really grateful. We do love living in the bush and we love raising our children in this environment. What we're saying is just um, recognise that there is a cost and recognise that the families um, in the bush are actually absorbing that cost at the moment and, and, and show us some sort of offering to compensate that. And like I say, we haven't been advocating for the full 50,000. We probably never will. Um, uh, we appreciate that there are costs involved in living where we choose to live. Um, the question is, should it be our full cost? Well, this is the other thing, and I'm not saying this to take away from govies or governesses or home tutors or school of the air, but so not only is somebody footing the bill for this, but if you want to go and be a teacher in a primary school mm. in the city, you have to go to uni for four years um, do all this prac. It's, it's, whereas yeah. here that you, you yeah. technically don't have to have, and, and while the, the government says you have to have supervision, they're doing, yeah. like, like we said earlier, they're yeah. doing so much more than supervising. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. there should also just be, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole nother topic here, yeah. but like more support for them in general for that. Because I mean, how are you yeah. supposed to, I today, very much this morning today was trying to teach times tables to a kid who's visiting at the moment yeah. and not in school. And, um, yeah. 
I was like, and you know, or even other things. And I was like, I, this is why people go to school for four years to learn how to mm-hmm. do this. I'm just here trying to wing it. And it's really interesting that you mentioned that actually, because, um, ICPA for many years have also been trying to get recognition through the universities, um, to have teachers who are, you know, um, doing their pracs and their yeah. Pra- yeah, to have that time in a homeschool room recognized as a co- yes. uh, contributing towards their pracs. Um, and, uh, for example, teachers have to do a certain amount of time out in rural areas, in rural schools, in order to give them credits to move to areas that they choose to move to. And um, so we've actually advocated for um, trained teachers yeah. to spend time in homeschool rooms and to get that um, yeah, recognition. <laughs> that hasn't yeah. happened yet. But you know, Steph, um, most homeschool rooms have got two or more children in them um and this is the thing it's a huge job it's one thing to say that um the curriculum is written by a teacher and there is a teacher on the other end of the phone and they deliver two lessons a day to that student that's fine there's no question about that the point is there is a marked difference between having the lessons written out on paper or electronically or whatever and having the student comprehend and understand them. And if there is no trained teacher there to teach, to help the student um, understand or comprehend the concept, then who is going to help that student? In the first case, it is the govy or the home tutor. And if the govy or the home tutor really struggle, they can put a phone call into the teacher, make time to catch up because usually you have to book a time with the teacher at the school of the air or you can wait till the next day where you have a private lesson time or whatever it is. But it doesn't just happen like that, like it does in a home school room. So the, the student is disadvantaged if the govy is not able to respond to the student's needs at that time. So as much as... Um, the materials have been worked on so that they can be delivered by an un- untrained home tutor. They are still complex in their very nature. No, um, I agree 100% because today, well, this morning, I was working on the six times tables, which I know off the you know, yeah. top of my head. And I was like, well, what's the best way to teach it to a kid? Like, how am I actually supposed to teach yeah. this, you know? Yeah. And, and I have, even when I did govying and we had the lessons, it's, you know, if it was something that, if you could just pick up a uh, uh, some worksheets and whatnot, then wouldn't just everyone go to school yeah. and we'd have just a few people in the country who write worksheets and work programs and yeah. then anybody could go work in a school? Like, there's a reason you yeah. have to go to uni for yeah. four years. That's right. So I think yeah. not only are parents paying – or somebody, somebody mm. is paying for the cost of education. It's when we're talking about quality and mm. equity, we're – and I'm not saying this to, to take away from Govies or School of the Air, but it's not necessarily an equitable education. Delivery yeah, delivery yeah. of education. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, we understand that there are, you know, that it is what it is for now at least, yeah. but we could at least yeah. work on the cost. Yeah. No argument, look, from me that, um, that there's questions around whether it's an equitable education. I was thinking about this today when I was looking at some of the research that CRCNA, um, do. Um, and, and but, CRCNA uh, is a uh, collaborative research center for North Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wondered if there was a way that we could um, develop research to look into um, the way that we deliver education in the bush through schools of the air and school of distance education. This was just a pie in the sky idea because, you know, this has been an idea that's been around for a long time, the way we do it. You know, we have a school of the air in, in town. We teach your children. We've, we've, we've developed to computers and, um, online lessons i know that but it's really not that far from books and um radios like we yeah, used to two use way really radios. That, so that yeah. you would have been on two-way yeah, radio yeah, was, like obviously yeah, not disclosing your age 
Um, but yeah, you went to school over a two-way radio. Yeah. yeah. But um, I just I did want to say though that um, as much as we th- we think that uh, the the governors or the home tutors are untrained, you know. There's so much commitment in sitting next to that student in that homeschool room that the end result is we are enabling children to, you know, finish their primary schools on really high levels. Oh, I know kids that have gone through school of the year and even some that did high school on school of the year um, or, or, or distance ed and have gone on to be doctors yeah um so one of our um if on our story on our website there's some stories so from anna plane station those kids went to school of the air and tim is now studying medicine at university uh wave camp from calyeda station even did uh, a lot of her high schooling through distance ed and is studying to be a veterinarian so it's not while while i did say there is it's certainly not equitable education the outcomes are uh, yeah, as good, if yeah. not better. And especially, and yeah. you know, when you have a good yeah. a good govy, um, yeah. and it's yeah, so yeah. it's not it's oh. not a um, oh, we must do another podcast on good govies, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we have some ripper govies. But you know what? The job is not a match for every single young person or or any person for that matter that comes out to be a govy or a governor. Um, it's um, it's a it's a difficult job, and it's I not just for can't everybody. Believe I've never heard of governors. That is so cool. You have to keep your eye open for them. Yeah, absolutely. Visit Ariat Australia on Facebook and Ariat AUS on Instagram to join the Ariat conversation today. There's so many more things we could do episodes on, and we certainly will, but this is just, I just can't believe after being in this industry for over Mm. a decade, I have never, and having worked as a governess at some point, Mm. that I have never thought about it like this. Never thought that someone is footy. I just thought, I, I always thought, oh, well, if this, you know, because I've seen jobs advertised, you know, station couple, management team, you know, governess supplied. I'm yeah. like, oh, isn't that so nice? But really, when you think about it, that's if they didn't have a governess, like would that would, would that, that wage go up? Would that wage yeah. go up if you yeah. didn't have a governess? Yeah. And even yeah. if it wouldn't, yeah. then that business wouldn't, you know, and that's, you know, 50 grand a year yeah. might. This is an industry of margins. Yes. So any yeah. dollar that you don't need to, yeah. you know, everything is marginal mm. in this industry. So yeah. you're not going to, and, and in any business, you wouldn't just, you know, throw away 50 grand unless you, yeah, you know, unless you had to. Something else I wanted to mention though was um, the in-home care scheme, which is a Australian government scheme. Um, it's meant to be for the care of children before school and after school hours. And in the case of a child not being at school yet, it's for during their daycare hours, if you like. Um, some uh, in the past, we have been known to, as an industry or you know, as a region, if you like, um, use the in-home care scheme to pay for governesses, but um, that's actually against the guidelines. You're not meant to use the in-home care scheme to pay for govies. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I don't know who does, but yeah, it is against the guidelines. Um, and the um, but technically, if we go back to what the government says. They just need someone to supervise yeah. them. Yeah, so yeah, if we yeah. just go back yeah. and say that all a govy does is supervise, yeah. which we know is not correct, but yeah. that's what it sounds like it's coming. Yeah. So could you yeah. use the money for supervision? Yeah. Um, look, I, I think every question has been asked of yeah. this scheme. Um, and I think it has depended on, um, the advice by the policy or, or the minister of the time. Yeah. Um, but the, certainly the advice at the moment with, uh, in this right now is that you should not use the in-home care scheme for supervision of education. 
Mm. And that's the first thing. And the second thing is that um, if you um, advocate or believe in support for um, uh, helping families pay for education in the bush, then you should join ICPA. Yeah, so do you have to have kids or no, live in the no, bush or any of that to no, join ICPA? No. $50 a year or $55 a year if you like. Um, no, I mean our membership um, helps um, our cause um, by being able to demonstrate that there's strong support. Um, so no, you don't need to have okay. children. Or- so if I it's join, not a club. if I start a club, it's an association. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to be that weird person if I'm like the only one there without a kid. Like you don't even go it's here. That you're an auntie, Steph. Yeah, yeah. I'm an auntie to lots of kids in school of the year. Thank you, that's actually, right. and future kids of school mm, of the year. They're right. all too young right now. Hmm. Okay. So I suppose I'm, so we've we've established there's an issue. ICPA is trying to advocate for what they are calling at the moment a distance um, education teaching allowance. Te- teaching allowance, which isn't or, even covering the full. This is like nominal. No, and so don't forget though. Each each state has been asked by the you know Australian government or federal minister of education to take had to take this issue back to their repre- respective state education ministers, right? So each state is calling it probably something a little bit different. different. Um, you know. Uh, governess's allowance or something whatever it essentially all means the same thing um uh, uh some some of us are advocating for a little bit more um but uh advice yeah from your state council will, will, will determine how much you you should be asking your government for mm. yeah and we have seen that uh, organizations like ICPA have had success in advocating for oh. causes. Oh, so I don't think it's success. one of those things where we just kind of look and go, Oh yeah, it'd be nice, but it's never going to happen. Like we actually have yeah. to every signature. It's like when you vote, every signature, yeah. every vote counts, every, yes. every voice. So yeah. to make- I actually have confidence that um, we will get to a point one day where we're, we've, we receive some sort of recognition, financial recognition. I have confidence in that um, because I can see the track record of ICPA over the years and we've been able to achieve um, some really great things for families in the bush and students, um, education, whatever. Um, so, yes, I have confidence, but uh, it does take a, a collaborative and, and, and um, a community effort, if you like, and you can – um, show support to that cause through membership or by um, participating in ICPA activities or sharing Facebook posts or, you know, anything that you can do. But um, I think it'll happen one day. I do. Yeah, I yeah. hope so because yeah. otherwise that's a lot of – I just <laughs> – you know, I just think it's a lot of voluntary hours, huh? Yeah, and and for the the cost, whether it's coming, so it's coming from somewhere. Mm. That money could be could be used for for boarding school mm. or for mm. just you know anything else. You're you're almost living off one one salary, like as a yeah. So yeah. it's just mm. not that cool. It's big. Yeah, it is. But I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to have a chat about yeah. it today. Um, my mind's still, all the wheels are moving and there's just so many thoughts right now. And I do want to do more episodes because I've just had thoughts about, you know, so if govies, you can't get support for a govy. What about, you know, if you're in town and you drop your kid off to, I'm, I'll, I'll digress, but I promise I won't make this into a, we'll, we'll finish up soon. Um, you're in town and you drop your kid off to daycare, you can get subsidies or allowances or, or whatever it is for, you know, in some circumstances for daycare. Um, obviously if you're on a station, you can't do that for daycare, but if you had the opportunity to have someone 
come out a couple of days a week and look after the kids. I'm guessing that there's nothing to help out with that. No, that's called the in-home care scheme. Oh, so that is what that is. Yeah. 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 So you'd you'd pay the carer to live on property, but, uh, but so there's a co-contribution from the family and from the government to have that person there. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I get, I get them saying you shouldn't use it for thing because you shouldn't have to be co-contributing, but you see what you're advocating for is, yeah. I know. Blows a your long head way off. to go. I just can't, yeah, 10 years. Never thought about it. So I'm really, um, so for our listeners, if they want to learn more and get involved, head to mm. their state or territory ICPA, their yep. local branch. Council, branch. Local branch. Yeah, there's branches. So yep. in the territory, where have we got branches? Alice Springs branch, Catherine branch, and then what we call a lone member branch, which is, um, you know, people that, uh, fall outside of those areas. I guess the reason why we have Catherine and Alice Springs is because that's where the two schools of the air are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, um, there are, um, there are some really active ICPA members that are also loan members. Um, and then we've got um, a huge following in Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia, um, all over Australia. We've got ICPA, strong branches, strong state council representation. And then we've got ICPA Australia, so there's strong federal representation. We're, yeah, very proud of ICPA. It's the bomb. <laughs> Love it. Well, if there's somebody who can get something done, it's going to be a bunch of people from the bush. So that's right. (laughs) Thanks, Steph. Thank you. Thanks very much.